Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is Super Tuesday, and we're very pleased to be joined by Mayor Mike Bloomberg, uh, who will appear for the first time on the ballots today in uh, 14 states. And uh, Mayor Bloomberg, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. So you've been into Utah. You've uh, done a lot of advertising here in Utah. You're you're fully engaged in this. As you, as you look at this uh, first time on the ballot, really the first test of your campaign today. Uh, what are you What are you looking for? What does winning look like today for you? Well, you're not going to uh, get the most delegates. I think that's clear. Uh, but uh, you want a respectable finish where you get delegates in lots of states. And uh, our strategy is to uh, get to the convention with nobody having a majority and then all of the delegates free and they start thinking, okay, uh, who can beat Donald Trump and who can uh, run the country? And that's where we will make our case. And we're trying to do that all across the country now. Yeah, you made a... uh, a uh, an interesting move on Sunday. You you had bought uh, three minute uh, airspace on uh, two of the major networks and and really made that case for leadership in the context of the coronavirus. But uh, clearly, talking beyond that, looking at other situations, yep. tell me a little bit more about uh, about that. Well, when I was mayor of New York, we practiced and uh, simulated and planned what we would do if we had an emergency. An emergency could be a virus that comes from uh, someplace else in the world. An emergency could be an explosion or a pipe leak or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, An emergency could be uh, lots of different things, uh, uh, like uh, the flu that uh, killed roughly a quarter of the world's population back in the late 1900s. around uh, 1918. And so what we did is we uh, practiced in real terms, how do you, for example, communicate with the public? Mm -hmm. Uh, Not so easy. You've got to make sure that the radio stations and television stations uh, can take your feed and you have the right numbers, the phone numbers that are up to date. You have to figure out what you're going to do with seniors who uh, may live alone and don't listen to the radio, and maybe don't have a phone, how do you communicate with them? You've got to talk to the hospitals. We've mm-hmm. got people in hospitals that need to be connected to a dialysis machine or a respirator. Right. Uh, and so you have to have real plans of what do you do with those kinds of things, and then you have to have coordination between all the states so you can uh, keep statistics and find out how a disease is progressing. 
there are a whole bunch of these things, and you do all of those in advance. And unfortunately, we've not done that. Uh, we've, uh, instead of adding staff to the Center for Disease Control, Centers for Disease Control and the National Institute of Health, Institutes of Health, um, we have to, uh, what, what the Trump administration has done is they've, he fired the um, uh, experts in uh, diseases and 1,600 scientists have left the federal government in the last couple of years and he, he's not planned for any of this stuff as far as I can tell. And then he put somebody in charge who actually said that he didn't think that smoking caused cancer. Yeah. Uh, and the president himself said this is a democratic hoax. Not not exactly the kind of person I'd want leading uh, my country. Yeah, so the the, the, the leadership question ser- clearly seems to be the, the central uh, tenant of, of your approach to the presidency and uh, obviously your experience there in New York. Uh, it's interesting to me that the uh, the leadership of the Democratic Party, the establishment component of the party, uh, really seems, uh, one, to be nervous about Bernie Sanders. Uh, there was the real consolidation with Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg and others uh, all getting uh, behind the former vice president yesterday, uh, you're sort of an outside candidate as well in terms of not being part of the political establishment. Uh, are, are they putting? Well, pressure? I'm not. A, I'm not a professional politician. I think that's clear. But then, I'm not trying to get the job of college debater in chief. I want to get the job of commander in chief. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, and that leads me to another uh, thing that I think is interesting in terms of your leadership. It, it is a, a leadership issue in, in my view. Uh, a lot of people have been uh, talking about Jack Welch over the, the last day, great business yep. leader that you're well familiar with. Uh, I remember listening to uh, lives in the same lived in the same building that my company's in in New York City. Oh. I, I didn't realize that. Uh, I interviewed, and I've known him for known him forever. Oh, interesting. I uh, I interviewed Jack uh, years ago, uh, and he said one of the most important components of leadership is being the the chief meaning officer, uh, and that seems to be lacking uh, in the U.S. Not just in the White House, but I think uh, across our you know congressional leaders, uh, there's really no one giving that meaning that connection. Uh, which is why I think people like uh, Bernie Sanders and President Trump have tapped into sort of an interesting populist uh, wave. Uh, but you're you're giving something a little different. Tell us about that. Well, um, I have been working on being able to do this job since uh, January first, two thousand and two, the day I took off, and I was lucky enough to be able to. Uh, provide some guidance, there's a nice ways to phrase it, I guess, and management skills to uh, 300,000 employees that served 8.4 million people. Mm. And um, I think most people who lived in New York during the 12 years I was in office would tell you the 12 of the best years that we've ever had. Mm. I often, uh, when I was a chief of staff, I'd, I would always ask candidates who were looking for endorsements, uh, the question I think is most important, and that is, uh, obviously, campaigns are hard. They're a big investment of time, money, and emotion. Uh, and so what what would make all of this worth it to you, even if you run this race and don't end up in the White House? Um, it, the, what would be great is if I can look back and say I um, made sure that uh, Donald Trump, who I don't think is qualified for the job, was no longer living in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and we had somebody who had had management skills. 
management skills and not just uh, legislative skills. Mm. Uh, legislative skills don't really matter here. And um, the uh, what does matter is being able to uh, attract great people and, and manage them. And management's not something you read a book about and then do. And in fact, the uh, head of the government can't really delegate it to anybody else. Everybody looks to that person. That's the person who makes the decisions. Yeah. And when they say, well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to, I'll delegate this. Then there's no reason for you to be there. Right. Right. Two final questions for you as we, as we wrap up uh, again, Mayor Bloomberg joining us on the line on Super Tuesday. Uh, one of the things that I think the, the American people want to be led uh, they definitely want to be led, and I, I think they want to be led by a smart fighter. Uh, what they don't want to be led by is a smart wimp. Uh, and again, I think that's why you see some of the... Nope. Nobody's ever accused me of that. <laughs> Quite the contrary. <laughs> so what is it from your experience that, that makes you that smart fighter? People want to know someone's got their back. They're tired of being lied to and, and promised well, things I, and ignored. I couldn't... Couldn't agree more, and that's why I think looking at a resume uh, isn't uh, all that uh, informative. It's going and seeing what people actually did before. Mm. And uh, if they really ran something and the results were good, that's the person that I would gamble will do it the next time as well. If they hadn't done it before, uh, you don't want somebody coming into the White House that needs training wheels. <laughs> Definitely. All right. And final question for you, Mayor Bloomberg, on a Super Tuesday. Uh, I always talk about the the need and the positioning for uh, political courage. Uh, and uh, what's the last thing you hope that voters uh, here in the state of Utah and, and across all the Super Tuesday states, what do you what hope the last thing they think about before they cast their ballot today? Is, is the candidate <clears throat> scrupulously honest? I've taken no money from anybody else because I think that gives an impression that you can be bought, even if it's not true. And in most cases, as we know in government, that is the way decisions are made. Uh, People go and uh, uh, vote for somebody because they or or, uh, give campaign donations because they expect something in return. I haven't taken any money from anybody for three campaigns in New York City and this one as well. And uh, I think that gives you the freedom to uh, just do it, what's right. And also it gives you the, the appearance to people that it's right so that they have confidence in you because mm. both are important. Very, very important. 8 p.m. polls closed in Utah. Tell people not to forget the vote. All right. Very good. Mayor Michael Bloomberg, thanks for joining us on KSL News Radio today. Thanks for having me. All the best. All Goodbye. right. Thanks, Mayor. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. 
Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.